Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. The Her Inspired Journey podcast is proudly supported by Wilderness Athlete. The vision and mission behind Wilderness Athlete is to help men and women improve their health and the quality of their outdoor experiences. Their focus on top-notch supplementation is by supporting, building, repairing, and ensuring your next adventure is a successful one. With over 100 years of combined experience in nutrition, product formulations, and manufacturing, Wilderness Athlete can support you in the outdoors because they know exactly what it takes to get you to the finish line. Before we get right into today's episode with Christy Titus, I really want to take a second to read a review and to let you know that your words do not fall on deaf ears. I read every review and appreciate the words of encouragement and support so much. Today's review is from Female Waterfowler, and it says, although I don't usually listen to podcasts, An episode about balancing hunting, momming, and fitness really drew me in and I was hooked. I love listening to the stories from other female hunters and knowing I am not alone in this unique journey. I love being able to relate to what Courtney is talking about and all the good points made. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that. And I want you to know that every time you leave a message or a comment, or if you put a review online, I take the time to read those and I greatly appreciate your feedback. If you haven't already left a review, or even if you've listened to a podcast episode that meant a lot to you, that really resonated with you, press the pause button right now and head over to iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave a comment or a review. Those are so important to me. And like I said, I do read every single one. And the purpose being that I want to make sure I'm serving you, that I'm bringing the content that really enriches and fulfills your life and answers the hard questions that you have. So please take the time to do that. It means so much to me. On today's episode with Christy Titus, we sit down and we talk about a wide variety of topics from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, her growing up as an outdoorsman, her history with conservation and shooting, and all of the projects that she's working on, including her digital TV series, Pursue the Wild. We talk about her being a world-class elk caller, which is super awesome and something I strive to be one day if ever I can be as cool as Christy. We talk about the Wilderness Athlete 28-Day Challenge, which is a super kickstart mode for recovering uh, your health and your fitness, getting you motivated to make healthier decisions in the kitchen, and it really outlines a plan for you in moving forward and tackling your goals. It also really helps you define goals, so if you're not quite sure where to start but you know you want to make changes, the 28-Day Challenge can be a really great uh, program to look into. It is by Wilderness Athlete, and I will link to that in the show notes. We also talk about the all-in or the all-out mindset that I've actually talked about in another recent uh, podcast, and we really give some good tips. Christy has some awesome insight for maintaining a healthy relationship for food and a little bit of her history growing up. As, a, as an adolescent that was overweight and some of the things that she dealt with that has now shaped her into making different decisions as an adult. We also cover not a very sexy topic, but the topic of getting older and how our bodies and our hormones change and how we have to adapt what we're doing and make changes by way of changing uh, training modalities, reassessing our nutrition and really changing the mindset of what you used to be able to do isn't necessarily what you can do anymore. One of the biggest things that I personally took away from this is her perspective on taking cheat meals. And this can be a really touchy subject and depending on what you're training for and how strict your personal regimen is, maybe if you're training for a bodybuilding or a physique competition or you're getting ready for an upcoming event or triathlon or some sort of a competition, This can look very different to everybody else, but she gave some really good insight and uh, a few tips up her sleeve on how she is able to maintain where she wants to be and giving herself grace along the way. So jump into this podcast with me. I think that you'll really enjoy it, and I hope that you took away some really good aspects and perspective. 
I guess without further ado, we are going to introduce Christy Titus to the show. Uh, she has the, the show Pursue the Wild and does super awesome things. I follow her hunts all of the time. She's a dear friend, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Christy. So why don't you introduce a little bit about what you're doing right now and what projects you're working on? Oh, boy. Um, so I host a digital TV series called Pursue the Wild, and it airs on Elk Network, which is the Rocky Mountain Milk Foundation's digital platform. It also airs on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, and if you have a smart TV, um, also you can watch through Amazon Prime, um, or Amazon, I should say, um, in general. So I've got that. Um, I work extensively with RMEF on some conservation projects and serve as an ambassador for them. And then I'm also on the board of directors for the National Rifle Association. Um, and then I also work with them on several committees, including um, a hunting and wildlife committee. And then I'm an alternate for the National um, Hunting and Wildlife uh, Committee that Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke um, had established before his tenure um, was relinquished. So I do quite a bit and uh, stay pretty busy with all of that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure you do. It seems like you're always, always like onto the next thing, going, up, you know, going on a hunt or going to do, a, you know, because you shoot competitively. So there's always somewhere that your hands are involved. And I love watching it, but I know for sure that, you know, you grew up hunting with your dad and this is a lifestyle for you that this is what you've always known. But how has it changed over the course of your lifetime from where you started going out on hunts? I know for me personally, when I very first started, I had no clue. I wasn't thinking about conservation. I wasn't thinking about where my tag money went or populations or, you know, habitat and that kind of stuff. So how has your journey kind of progressed over time to get where you are right now? And what makes you passionate about joining these committees and being the face of a lot of these organizations? Well, the Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation has been a part of my family since my earliest of memories. Um, it was founded in 1984, and I was born in 1980, and I remember my family just always being members. My dad's been a member since, you know, the mid-1980s. Um, not sure um, exactly where in there, but um, as a kid, my parents always would get dressed up and go to the banquets, or they would go to Reno and, and, and do the big national events in Reno, and it's just always, conservation's always been something that um, my parents were mindful of, and, and my dad is such a passionate elk hunter that being with the Elk Foundation, you know, was a really good fit for him, and then he had some friends that were really active on the Central Oregon chapter committees and involved my father, you know, a little more extensively. Now he, his involvement wasn't as extensive as mine. Um, so conservation's literally from my earliest memories been, been part of it. Like my mom would, I remember her getting dressed up and going to the banquets and my dad had these, um, this nice blazer jacket and a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and he just always looked so sharp and, and they would go and it was like adult prom. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's just always been there, you know, uh, for me, there isn't like a time where I, I could say that I had this kind of aha moment like you're speaking of. It's just, it's always been. That's awesome. So what is your first, like, if you can go back and think about your very first moment of hunting with your you know, maybe it was your dad or maybe it was your mom. Like, what is that very first, like, huge impressionable moment that you had? Well, for me, the biggest thing that made me want to be in the outdoors is our mules. Um, I've been riding since I was two years old. I still own mules, and we still do that. And um, for me, it was the mules. Like, I, I wanted to ride. I just wanted to be on them. I wanted to be around them. And um, I was such a mommy and daddy's girl, which truth be told, I still am, that I didn't want to be left behind. And so I just always went and, and the mules were a really big draw for me because um, I just, as a kid, I just loved being in their presence. And um, that's really what got me into the outdoors was, you know, I got to be on top of my best friend and we got to trot and, and play in meadows and I got to catch frogs and it's just, to me, it's like home. Being on the back of a mule is like going home. And, and so that's really was, I think, really 
uh, shaped my life in a very profound way is having them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. There is such a companionship. I don't, I haven't ridden horses in a, a really long time, but I'm, that's like my biggest goal is to get our property set up to where we can get horses and we can get a mule. And, you know, my son has such a calling to him too. He, there's not a ton of things that my oldest son really loves besides like motocross and picking on his little brother. But, well, that's normal though. <laughs> but, but when he gets around horses, like there's just this calmness to his soul that is just, I watch it from afar and I'm like, yeah. he needs that companionship. They, they really do offer something that can't really be tapped into with any other kind of element or pet or, you know, kind of companionship. So it's really cool to hear you speak of that. And I was actually visualizing you like through the meadow and just like nothing else really matters. Like there's so much around you, but you're just this small little piece in this giant world. Well, one thing I can tell you with all animals and kids growing up is it teaches them confidence and assertiveness, especially especially mules because um they test their owners continually it's a life you're in a lifelong test with a mule uh (laughs) once you establish certain levels of dominance then that testing can wane but uh if they think they can pull one over on you you're done yeah (laughs) um so as a little kid you know for me I was really lucky I was as hard-headed then as I am now and perhaps even more so at that time because I wanted to do everything myself and I was very fortunate my dad afforded me the freedom to make mistakes and figure things out and I had animals that were patient enough in mind and heart that they allowed me to 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 be basically a child disaster around them and you know I could walk up to my mule bullet and try to fling the blanket atop of them and make 20 swings before I made it up and he'd stand there and look at me like, all right, kid, one of these times you're going to get it, you know, (laughs) but that whole experience, you know, and, and being around animals and horses, it teaches kids a profound sense of accomplishment and responsibility. Um, and the confidence that comes from that knowing, Oh my gosh, I just did that. It's really great for kids. And, um, especially kids that have self-esteem issues or uh, confidence issues, animals, especially um, horses and mules, um, maybe not so much mules, maybe horses for somebody that's not experienced with them. Um, it can be really great. It can be really great. That's awesome to hear that. So he's turning 13 next month on April 12th, and I am secretly putting all the pieces together to get him a horse for his birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so our neighbor does horse rescue. They actually lost their their, um, rehab center in Hawaii when the volcano erupted. And so they moved over here. They bought the property next to ours, and they do rehab with horses. And so he's just a super great um, uh, neighbor to have, and he's a great resource and mentor as far as, you know, just like you were talking about how how much horses, like we – they they are there to like be a companionship to us, but they help us more than we can ever realize. So. Oh, tremendously so! Like even last night, like I I got stuck in the snow and I was late getting out to feed, and I went out there and and my dad lost a mule who's twenty five this past fall, and we have another mule that is coming twenty five, and I'm this winter's been a little hard on him, and um, so I went out there last night and it was late getting there and, and, but you know, their willingness to greet you and love you and, you know, just, just, I've been feeding them extra grain because of the weather, um, especially the old one. I want to, you know, kind of take a little extra care and concern for him, but you know, they eat and then, you know, he plunks his head on my shoulder (laughs) and just wants you to love them. And if Mm -hmm. they can crawl in your lap like a dog, they would. And it's just, they're so, they're so good for your heart. Um, you know, the amount of love, and expressiveness that they can give is fantastic. However, with a mule, a really bad one is really bad, um, very dangerous <laughs> physically. Um, yeah. But with a good one, they're fantastic. But a, a bad one is not anything to mess with. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, for sure. So kind of rerouting back to the whole hunting uh, element of your life, which is I guess you could probably say it's, it is your life. It's, it's what you do. It's what you know. It's what you grew up with. 
over time, right, you, you're, you're a very physically active person. And I think you have to be, especially when you want to hunt to the level that you do and to go on the adventures that you participate in. But how has your like training, if you will, or preparation for the hunt changed from, you know, when you were a kid and when you were a teenager and when you were, you know, going through your 20s to now, has that evolved or changed quite a bit or has it stayed the same? No, I've had a major physical struggle my entire life. Um, I was a very, very overweight kid and I have an extreme propensity to be, um, I would say, overweight to obese. My body like is not small by nature. And, um, when I was 16, I went on an elk hunt with my dad and I was in extremely poor shape and we climbed up out of this hole one day and I literally, the pace I was walking was as fast as I could go. And my lungs were on fire. And you know how, when you're in really poor condition, you kind of taste that iron, almost blood taste in your mouth. Uh huh. <laughs> I just, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I was like horrible shape. And, um, it was kind of at that point that I realized I needed to do something because I couldn't keep up with my dad. I couldn't, I mean, I was just, I was overweight and really out of shape and I kind of started to work out and I really, really got serious with working out when I was about 19 um, and started going to the gym. And then in my early 20s, I got even more serious about working out. And that led me into competitive bodybuilding. Um, But I didn't start out always just being naturally athletic or fit because that was one of the reasons I liked mules and hunting is because I'm not an athletic human by nature. And being a hunter didn't require me to be coordinated or athletic or the star of anything other than uh, being able to master my mule in, in outdoorsmanship. And, and that was something that was easy for me. So that's why I started hunting. But as my as hunting evolved for me, you know, I had to come to the realization that if I wanted to do it, I had to be more physically fit. And, um, so it's still a struggle for me today. I mean, I'm nearing 40 and my life has gotten tremendously more busy, but my body has, is also changing. I'm actually writing an article about this for Western Hunter magazine about, you know, now I don't have the energy I had when I was 25, you know, when I was 25, I could go to the gym in the morning, work all day, and then go to the gym at night. Or I could work all day and have the energy to still go lift and do everything at night. And it was easy. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm getting to the point where, like, if I don't work out in the morning, it's really hard for me to muster up the energy at 6 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night because I'm I'm tired. And um, so it's become, you know, something that I have to work even harder at it yet than, than I ever have before. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It changes all the time. And even like year by year. And there's those big changes, like you said, from like 25 to nearing 40, where you go like, this is drastically different. And I know now I have to work harder. I have to work harder and I have to do things in a smarter way because it's not just going to be easy, both an energy or effort or the benefit that I see from it. So, um, well, one of the biggest changes for me is I used to be able to maintain my weight Like, if I didn't lift weights consistently, I could maintain my body weight through somewhat careful monitoring of my diet. Um, Not 100%, but somewhat, you know, hey, when I'm home, I watch what I eat. I do cardio. I lift, you know, occasionally to where now, um, if I don't add weightlifting into my training, I don't experience results from cardiovascular training. Like, it just doesn't cut it anymore anymore. I have to have both. And, and especially, you know, being 40, um, you want to put on as much muscle. Well, I'm not quite 40. Um, I'm giving myself a couple extra years. I was going to say, um, hold on, we'll have to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving myself a couple extra years, but nearing 40, you know, as a woman, you definitely want to put on muscle and put on as much as you can, because once we reach that menopausal age, 
the amount of muscle and bone we lose becomes extremely tremendous. And so right now I, I feel like it's extra important for me to build muscle and help my body be the best because once, you know, another 10 years goes by, maybe 12 years goes by, the hormonal changes my body is going to go through is going to be a whole nother set of fitness circumstances that I'm going to have to address. It really is. It's it's crazy how much it changes. So I'm 34 and um, last year, uh, almost a year ago, well, just not quite, I had an emergency hysterectomy and I was not expecting it. Like I just, yeah. you know, I've had a relatively healthy body my entire life. You know, I've had little things here and there, but, you know, I, I went into this uh, because they, I had a giant mass in my uterus that they was atypical and it looked like it was presenting as cancer. And so they said, we can do a biopsy, but I really don't, I don't feel good about it. You know, my surgeon, who is a very well-known surgeon, was telling me she didn't feel good about it. And so we made the decision to just go in and do the hysterectomy. And at that time, I was so terrified. I've never gone through something in my life where I was so unsure of everything. I mean, I've never cried more than I've cried and been lost and been upset And so for me, I didn't even, I never really considered like what happens when I come out of surgery and my body has completely changed as a woman. And I've been athletic most of my life, not all of my life, really started kind of after high school, like to the end, you know, my junior, senior year, and then, you know, from there on out. But um, so for me now, even trying to get back, like my body has changed so much because I was put in essentially this mini version of a a surgical menopausal state. And so for me now trying to do, you know, my workouts in the gym or get my lifts or recover or sleep or memory, everything has changed so much that you're not kidding. Like you really do have to prepare and try to get as much as you can because it becomes so much more important and harder to get even a piece of what you used to be able to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and everybody, I remember my 20s where everybody's like, oh, well, you know, it gets harder when you turn 40 or as you near 40. And I thought, oh, whatever. You're just lazy. You're not putting in the work. In my mind, you know, I was kind of thinking these things. And, you know, now I'm in that situation. And, it, you know, um, it's really easy to, you know, if you think about your weight regulating mechanisms, you know, you put on three pounds this year and you put on three pounds next year mm-hmm. and you put on three pounds the year after that. And pretty soon you've gained 15 pounds by the time you're 55. When I was 20, I thought, well, that's really not a true phenomenon. That's not real. Well, I had my knee surgery and I put on um, six pounds. And I'm telling you, it's been the devil, the devil trying to get it off. And now it all kind of makes sense. And um, I just think that, you know, from a physical standpoint, it just is a really great reminder that, I mean, I think women have an even more challenging path than men um, just because of all of the changes that we go through. And, you know, men go through a decline in testosterone as well, which kind of changes their physical capabilities or output or their vigor. Um, but that can be supplemented by a physician if necessary. It's, it's a lot harder as a woman to regulate um, what we go through, I feel like, um, as a woman. But my opinion. I completely agree. Absolutely. And, you know, I think... I, don't, I wouldn't say that women are harder on themselves when they start going through that and they, they have a hard time making those changes or the effort they're putting in isn't being, you know, isn't coming back in by way of tangible results in progress. But to some degree, I feel like women are harder on themselves because we have this mindset that we have to be able to reach a certain level or be capable or, you know, feel confident or feel sexy. And so once we start to lose sight of those things, you know, not only does the physical aspect start to go, but the mindset goes. And then, you know, for a lot of people going, excuse me, for a lot of women going through like that premenopausal state, or once they hit that, that's when depression and like the mental health part of things really begins to change. And so I think... Go ahead. Yeah, and I struggle with that mental health thing. It's a life struggle for me because I always have that fat kid syndrome. I mean, I went to home, home from school every day crying, being made fun of, and kids are just horrible humans. And um, and 
and I and I still I wake up every day and the first thing I think is okay how does my body look and feel today mm-hmm. it doesn't I mean and, and that's the first thing I think okay well today I have to do this workout or I'm not I mean I weigh and measure my food as a lifestyle um, not on the road but when I'm home and I kind of laugh because you know um I promote the 28-day challenge for wilderness athletes. It's a great challenge for people, but I live that lifestyle. Um, when I'm not traveling, that 28-day challenge is how I live every day. And so, um, you know, because I'm all, all overly almost critical of myself and aware of my body to a fault almost to a degree, and, and you know, that mental thing that we go through, we're just so hard on ourselves sometimes. We totally are. Uh, it's And it's crazy to think because I don't know about you personally, but speaking for myself, I went through, I was, I hate, it's weird to even say as a 34-year-old, I was bullied, right? Because it just kind of seems like, unless you've been there, it may, might even sound like something that's just petty, right? Um, but it's not. And it affects you so much. And bullying can even now or at 40 or at 50, the things that you went through, the things that people said, the day-to-day feelings that other people put on you and made you feel carries with you forever. And sure, you can go to therapy and you can work through some things, but little bits and pieces of what you've gone through and the, the, the things that people have made you feel, they never go away. I mean, I, do you feel the same way? Absolutely. I mean, I... I am so hard on myself. Um, and, uh, you know, part of it, too, is is if I'm not hard on myself and, and hard enough on myself to where I force myself to eat clean every day and I force myself to exercise every day, I know the alternative for me is a spiral that goes completely out of control where I put on weight and that leads to further insecurity for me as far as my appearance and feeling. And then it is kind of a depression. And so I know that there is a couple things in this world that I have control of. One of them is what I eat. And the second thing is how I care and take care of my body mm-hmm. and the condition of my body. And my body is in by no means, in my mind's eye, perfect. But every day I wake up with resolve um, that I'm going to care for what I put in it. I mean, I weighed and measured my food for breakfast this morning. I eat on time intervals still. Um, and, and I know that, um, that if I don't do that mentally, where I go is just a, is a dark place. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that dark place and then they get sucked into it. And it's really hard to manifest the strength and courage to get out of it. Um, because once you're there, you almost feel so defeated, um, that you can't get out. And so for me, I've just made it a lifestyle where every day I don't allow myself to be defeated by that. And, and it's literally, you know, something I have to work at every day. So how do you do that and keep balance and perspective and a healthy relationship with exercise and with eating and what, you know, with weighing and measuring things out? I know for like clients and for lots of the women that I work with, it can be really hard if I have them track their food for an extended period of period of time because women start to become obsessed with every single bite and every single calorie and reaching a deficit or not reaching a deficit or how much time they spend in the gym. And for me, in my experience, I feel like it starts to really have a negative effect on the relationship that we have with our bodies and with food. So how do you keep that perspective to where it doesn't take you to the, you know, to an extreme end of that where you become like really obsessed in a very negative way? All right. I know that I stopped just in time for us to get to Christy's answer, and it is a good one. But I wanted to take a second to highlight a few things with Wilderness Athlete. As you know, if you follow my journey or you follow any of my social media, you know that Wilderness Athlete is a huge part of my supplementation regimen. And there's a lot of different reasons why I choose Wilderness Athlete. Number one, their attention to quality. They're NSF certified, which means that they really do pay attention and they regulate the quality of the ingredients that goes into each and every product. They test for adequate levels. So, you know, the thing with supplementation 
is that not all supplements are created equal. In fact, there are some that do you more harm than good. And Wilderness Athlete really takes the quality and the precision of their products and puts it first and foremost. There are a few staples in my list that I wanted to talk about. Um, Hydrate and Recover being one of them which is something that I have on a daily, especially for repair and recovery, um, without supporting our body's needs, both through electrolyte replacement and through maintaining proper uh, macronutrient ratios, we can't optimize what we're doing in the gym. So the hard work that we put in via training or getting it done on the mountain or going for a run, you know, we put our bodies through a lot. And if we can't take that time to repair and recover, we're never going to come back stronger than we were before we did the work in the first place. I have to also say that the lean life that Wilderness Athlete puts out is probably my number one favorite. For me, it acts as my booster My through the second half of the day. I avoid that 2 p.m. sluggish, tired, want to take a nap. And I'm also giving my body so many benefits. I'm increasing my metabolism and fat burn. I'm upping my energy. It also has 5-HTP in it, which is a really good um, ingredient for helping control my appetite so I don't get bored and get hungry. And it also acts as a mood stabilizer. So if you haven't already. You can check out those products. There's a long list of other um, supplements that they do offer and you can check that all out on their website wildernessathlete.com and please feel free to use code herinspired to save at checkout. Well for me um, I guess I've come to the conclusion that I'm human and I'm not perfect and God obviously loves me for exactly who I am. So you have to have some degree of self-love. The other thing is, is I try to be as good as I can, but also gracious with myself. So there's times where, you know, we have a family reunion or I'm on the road and I can't be perfect, but I try, you know, if I'm traveling, for example, at like Hunt Expo, I would do a bar in the morning and then for lunch I would have a salad and then have a dinner. Um, I wasn't getting in workouts, but I still tried to be mindful. And I think for people, unless you're doing something like a competitive bodybuilding event, then you have to be consumed with it, right? Mm -hmm. Then I have to consume myself with how many calories have I eaten? Where are they coming from? What is the macro nutrient ratio that I'm consuming per meal? Is it identical four meals a day? Um, is my blood sugar level stable? Am I doing cardio once or twice a day so that I can offset and continue to force my body to burn fat? That is a different type of mechanism and machine. And mentally, it is really hard to stay in that mindset for me. I mean, I did it for so long now that I'm just exhausted with it. Now, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to die. I'm not doing a bodybuilding show. Nobody's judging me on a stage in a bikini. So I've learned just to have grace with myself and just know that, you know, consistency wins out. Being consistent, um, what gets people is the yo-yo. So they're either all in or they're all out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that doesn't really work. You have to just have a level of consistency that you maintain as a lifestyle. So what are your biggest tips for keeping that balance, for not being all in or all out? I was just talking about that in another podcast, and I was like, we there's no happy medium where people are just like, oh, we'll just have a little bit of this or I'll just skip this one workout. Like we either go so hard and so heavy that we burn out typically or, you know, on the flip side of that, like there's no finding balance to keep everything kind of in perspective. So what would be your biggest tips for somebody and trying to find that happy spot? My advice is when you have the opportunity to have complete control over what you're doing, do it. So, for example, if I'm home and I am eating with my family, I have 100% opportunity to be mindful of what I'm consuming, weigh, measure that food, think about what I'm putting in my body, pay attention to what I'm eating throughout the week, whether that be meal prepping or whatnot. Then I'm not as hard on myself 
when I'm in places where I have less control, for example, a restaurant or an event. Um, we want to be human. We want to be able to have the grace to not feel horrible about a meal. Um, if you're 100%, most of the time, a meal once a week um, isn't going to ruin your fitness objectives. And your body at the intracellular level is not going to subject itself to any sort of uh, negative effects of a meal. <clears throat> so... I'd say, you know, if you can get into a habit, a routine, and make it something that you can maintain with life. Um, and what I find, too, is like as I've gotten older, it's harder to get an exercise. So I know that I need to do it in the morning. Um, so, you know, coming up with that routine, whether your protocol is weight training and, and exercise cardio six days a week, five days a week, four days a week, and I have... Uh, different protocol that I'm writing about actually in my next article, but you have to figure out what you can realistically commit to that would serve for lifestyle, not as a fad and, and just adhere to it. Absolutely. That, that realistic piece is so important because we try to sometimes, you know, take more on than we can actually feasibly do. And ultimately it leads to failure and burnout. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because all of a sudden we go all in, we change, you know, 12 to 20 different habits all at one time and it's too much. It's too much too soon. So I think you're, you're totally right. And finding that balance and finding that little, that, that place where you can be healthy, right? Because I think nutrition and diet and exercise, it's much more than the aesthetic, which is the, the biggest driving factor for most people to eat a certain way or for to exercise or for to do their lifts or to, you know, find that regimen. The aesthetic piece is why most people do it. But on the underlying side, it's where your health, right? Where homeostasis, where all the good things and where all the balance comes internally is if you can find that piece where you're getting enough protein, you're balancing your carb intake, you're moving your body and working your cardiovascular system, then over time, just like the aging process, you know, is, is, uh, encouraged to be at a rate that's not progressing, you know, more than we can handle at once. And, um, but you just hit it right. You're like totally, totally perfect. Finding the balance, you know, trying to get in what you can, not obsessing on one side or the other and making the conscious choices. Like if you go out and have dinner, if you're having that family reunion, be smart about it. I also am, you know, a huge uh, encourager to like, this is one life. So don't deprive yourself of everything you want, but figure out where you can have those cheats, if you will. Well, like, for example, this weekend, you know, at the Central Oregon Sports Show, there's kids selling Girl Scout cookies. And um, I bought a couple boxes. I had them in my booth. I shared them with people. And I had a couple of them. I didn't eat 10 cookies. I had probably three or four over the course of a weekend, which is a lot of cookies for me. Normally, I don't even allow myself that. But um, but I was like, whatever, you know, it's a Girl Scout cookie. I had one today and it's not going to kill me. And so I think a lot of times too, what people will do oftentimes when they make a mistake with food or they choose to indulge, they tend to want to go on the side of binging. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you are going to indulge, it's fine. I don't beat myself up over it, but I try to indulge with moderation in mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that is something is a measured, um, way of discipline that, that is harder to do because sometimes that one cookie leads to four in one setting and really you'd be just fine having one, just two a little slower and really enjoy it, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, if I, if I am, I am, you know, encouraging, you know, people, you know, live, indulge a little, but be mindful of what you're doing. Um, you don't have to eat an entire box of Girl Scout cookies just because you bought them. That brings up a really good point because that the indulging side is a really hard place for people to do just enough and not go off the deep end. Um, so do you have specific tips for people who want to have, let's say, a cheat meal or they want to go and have a donut or they have the Girl Scout cookies in the house? Like, how do you stop yourself? Is it just a mindset or are there specific things that you do to kind of like set yourself in the right position to not overindulge? 
So I set a goal system for myself. If I have something I really want or I'm looking forward to or I know I'm going somewhere um, and I'll be a hundred percent, I'll be absolutely as good as I can be. And I almost think of it as like dangling a carrot in front of myself. Like, okay, after I do all of this this week, I'm going to afford myself this clean, dirty sheet. I'm going to go to sushi or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, And I kind of use that as a dangle of, you have to earn your reward. Um, just like when I was training my hound when he was a puppy, he had to earn his food through behavior. And so I forced myself in some regards, which I think that sounds kind of mean if I put it that way. But in some capacity, I also forced myself to earn my food, my cheat. If I really want to have this one thing um, I earn it. So, you know, for example, like last weekend I had a couple of cookies, but every morning I got up and I did 13 and a half miles on my bike before my expo. So even though I had a cookie, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. One cookie is not really going to make a difference. I mean, it would if I was on a really strict diet, but for me, for where I'm at, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's not something I would do under normal circumstances day to day. So, I mean, I look at things like you can't daily incorporate a cheat and think you're making a successful journey towards fitness. That's not the way it works. It has to be something that is literally a treat and not the norm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that those things need to be really considered. I know for me, I'm an emotional eater. It's something I think that I got from my mom. That was a little bit of her coping skill for for life and for the things that she'd been through. I love you, mom, but <laughs> it's, it's tough, you know? So for me, if I get over, if I get like sad, stressed, I don't eat. But if I'm just overwhelmed or if there's a lot on my plate, or if I'm trying to find comfort because things are going a little bit crazy in my life, for me, I know that the first place I end up is in food. And it's something that I'm like actually very self-conscious of But I have a hard time because I'm like a lot of people in that once I have that, for me, I'm not a sweet person. I'm a savory, salty, carby kind of, you know, wholesome. So it's if I have a chip, I want to have all the chips. Or if I have a piece of bread, I want to have the entire loaf. And so I've had to adopt certain things like being very aware because I think a lot of times we can get lost in our thought or we can be distracted by a TV show or by our phones or, you know, so lost in the emotion that before you even realize what you're doing, the bag is empty, right? And then that self-loathing, you know, that self-hatred and that disappointment sets in. And for a lot of people, that will trigger more of that kind of behavior to happen Uh, you know what there's some ways to work around that too um I'm I really like to sit when I was dieting really hard for competitions I really liked feeling like I got to eat a lot even though I ate these I'm small meals um but like there is reduced calorie like 80 or 100 calorie kettle popcorn kettle Mm -hmm. flavored popcorn that has a slight tinge of sweet and what I have learned to do is eat one kernel at a time sometimes I bite the pieces of popcorn in half and I can sit with a, a a hundred calorie bag of popcorn on those days where I just feel like eating, um, and force myself to slowly eat, you know, one bite at a time. And pretty soon you know, you've eaten the whole bag of popcorn, but it's a small, it's a regimented amount. Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of get over that mental, um, for me, it works well, um, doing, doing the popcorn thing in, in those times where I want to sit down and just snack and eat. That's, and yeah, it's great. That's great advice, and it's it's definitely something where I think the longer you can chew your food and the longer you can taste your food, you know, without distractions, I always tell my clients, especially who have a propensity for overeating or for, you know, gaining weight, no distractions. When you're eating, your only job is to taste your food. It's to smell what you're eating. It's to feel, you know, the, the texture in your mouth. And because then we have this psychological response of really connecting with I, I, I am satisfied. I really am. There is that level of satiation that I wouldn't have had if I had done it mindlessly. Yeah, and that's, I I wholeheartedly agree. The other thing for me is making sure that I eat the proper nutrient ratios at the proper time. Because if I get into hypoglycemia at all, it's very difficult for me um, to control 
my eating. I tend to want to eat fast, and, and then I tend to want to overeat as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's something I always caution people to is, you know, make sure you're not allowing yourself to get ravenous. You know, always have a bar, always have a shake, always have something handy that you can eat so that you don't go through that, um, oh, I've just gotten hypoglycemic and now I want to eat everything and everything and I want to, you want to stuff yourself at that point and it's really hard to keep yourself from overindulging, if you will, uh, once you get over a certain threshold there. Such good advice, Christy, such good advice. I, Yeah. You are dead on with that. We're going <laughs> to definitely have to talk a lot more about that. Something that you said earlier in the podcast is living the 28-day challenge lifestyle and implementing that on a normal, especially outside of your travel time or when you're on the road or in these hunts. Would you mind talking a little bit about what the 28-day challenge is, You know, the, the thought behind it, the mission, and how it can truly help people initiate that level of change that they're going after? So the 28-day challenge is a, a program from Wilderness Athlete, and, and within it, you get some supplements. You get hydrate and recovery. You get a multivitamin. You get lean life. You get meal replacement shakes. But the most important thing within the system you get is really good advice. So there's a tracker that I know, Courtney, you have contributed to some of the content in the newest tracker, and then Matt... Um, has actually put together some um, some workouts. I think his last name is, is it Matt Hewitt? Is that his Matt last Hewitt, name? Matt Hewitt, yes. Uh, Matt Hewitt put together a bunch of workouts for that. But the tracker in the 28-day challenge, what it does is that every day it reminds you that when you wake up, these are the things that you need to put into your body for it to function at optimal levels. So when I say I incorporate that as a lifestyle Um, When I wake up in the morning, I weigh and measure my breakfast and I grab, um, I'm a big fan of the good stuff packets Mm -hmm. because um, your fish oil is sealed on one side, your multivitamin and your probiotic is sealed on the other side. And what I'll do is in the morning, I'll take two lean lines. Um, I really love the lean life because it helps curb my appetite. I am... Not a binge eater, but I am a massive overeater. I mean, I eat man-sized portions. If I don't weigh and measure my food, I would fill a dinner plate and consume all of it with ease. Like, that's just, I like to eat a lot of food. And so the lean life really helps me put in perspective um, my hunger, sugar cravings, and also the propensity that I have to massively overeat so first thing in the morning I'll take two lean life and I take two fish oil well then I leave my pouch the remaining part of my pouch of my good stuff on the kitchen counter um and for lunch I take the remainder of my vitamins so it's something I can put in front of myself to where I don't forget Mm -hmm. um now, the, the wilderness, the 28-day tracker, you know, has reminders within the journaling process that helps you with that as well. Um, the hydrate and recover, energy and focus, I typically drink. It's called a Superman. I usually drink that in the afternoon. Um, a lot of people, sometimes it's, you know, related to irregular blood sugar, but a lot of people kind of have that afternoon lull where you want a cup of coffee or you want a little push to kind of get you through your day. Sometimes that's a symptom of hypoglycemia perhaps maybe your breakfast wasn't that high quality and you need to evaluate um, the meal quality that you ate maybe you ate the right calorie structure but you might need to evaluate okay was it a liquid calorie maybe you need to move towards eating solid food like eggs or something for your breakfast so you don't have a blood sugar crash in the afternoon Um, but I'll do often a a superman in the afternoon um, and that really gives me just a big push um, in the afternoon, and then the green infusion, um, I mix that with a meal replacement shake, and I typically only have one meal replacement shake a day. I'm a fan of the strawberry; that's my favorite. Mm, so good. Um, it's so yummy, and I mix it with with almond milk when I'm hunting in the fall. That's usually what I drink first thing in the morning because most of the hunts that I go on, you know, there'll be it's just difficult on time in the morning. So a lot of people are tend to be prone to eating a bowl of cereal or um, a muffin or something that's just kind of grab and go. And I opt for the meal replacement shake. And so I mix the great infusion with that. Um, 
I don't do lean life typically in the afternoon. Um, and my only reason for that is I'm very sensitive to, um, I tend to have a hard time falling asleep if I take it late in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I take it in the morning and then I'll do that Superman in the afternoon and then it doesn't affect how I fall to sleep. Um, and, and so you do one meal replacement shake a day, you do breakfast, you do a healthy lunch and then a, and a healthy dinner. And then in the tracker, you know, it just kind of gives you, um, ideas on what to eat and how to assimilate your food. I try to eat, in the morning, a higher carbohydrate load, and as my day progresses, I wean down, and my last meal of the day, I often don't consume carbohydrates in my meal. It's just a lean protein and vegetable, mm -hmm. um, and that works well for me. They have such a great system with the 28-day challenge, and every aspect and every different area is covered like conclusively, like there's so much information that there's no cracks to fall in with a 28 day challenge. And that's no. one of the things I love the most about it is that they've refined, refined it to the point where it's like, if you follow the 28 day challenge and you do the workouts and you do the journaling and you do the goal setting and you take the supplements and you incorporate the shakes, like you will have success. And yeah. it's because they've put so much into it. And, it, it, you know, it's mindset. It's the nutrition piece. It's the physical aspect. And their products, you know, obviously quality is their number one piece when it comes to, you know, putting their formulations together. The mm -hmm. Lean Life, I absolutely love. And one of the very first things that I noticed about the Lean Life was the 5-HTP that they put in it. 5-HTP has that component for suppressing appetite and improving your mood. Uh, hello. <laughs> yes, please. I think we all need a double dose of that for sure. So, Oh, I, I, and you know what else I really like about it too, is there's, there's a couple different meal plans. Like a lot of people are like, I don't even know where to start with my calorie intake. It breaks it down into two basically body types or intensity level of exercise types. So you don't have to think about how many calories per meal you should be eating. It, they walk you through that as well. If you know, a, a man versus perhaps a woman on their calorie consumption per meal and per day with, you know, where they should be at. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you take it or not, but, um, the wilderness athlete midnight build, I don't. that, um, is unbelievable, especially for men. Um, and, and, and women as well, but, um, the midnight build will naturally kind of help increase some of your testosterone levels. And even women, as we age, some of our testosterone levels will decline and it causes or can cause some symptoms in women that are similar to men, but on the woman's side. Um, so the midnight build helps men and women. It just gives you so much more recovery and it has almost a, I don't want to say a growth hormone component to it, but really it's, it's, a, it's, it's compounded to really help you repair, rebuild, recover, and get the most out of everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do know a lot of clients that use it, and they absolutely love it. It helps them sleep better. It helps improve their memory. It does help promote uh, your natural growth hormone levels while you're sleeping. So it's a, you know, it's a must-have, especially for men. You know, women can use it too. It's it's fine for either or. But well, it is... I think it helps women lose weight. You know, having having a little help at night um, with a little bit more um, boost of some natural hormones. It really, I think, I feel like it really helps in in weight loss as well. Definitely. Yeah, and the shakes, on the other hand, are, you know, I know a lot of people who are against having a meal replacement shake or, or supplementing, you know, a powder, protein, whey protein, whatever they're taking. But a lot of times those people are struggling to maintain a healthy and well-proportioned, you know, nutritional regimen. So why not add ease like in the morning when you're busy or if you're busy through lunch and or you're running to a meeting and there's not time to have a meal, why not replace it with a healthy, well-balanced protein shake? I agree 100%. Um, it, you know, I, obviously, in my opinion, whole natural food is always the best bet, but it's not always the easiest bet and it's not always realistic for a busy lifestyle. And, and there's a lot of people that are slightly anorexic in nature, especially in the morning where they don't want to eat a big egg white breakfast and they don't want to eat all this food and they're just, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. New replacement's perfect for someone like that where 
you can drink those calories, give your body what it needs, helps help get your uh, blood sugar started in the right direction first thing in the morning so you don't start out with a low, and it's fantastic. I mean, in my opinion, um, meal replacement is way better than grabbing you know, eat a muffin or something. I mean, it's it's really a great option for people that are on the go or busy, and it's so easy to do. I mean, even at my trade shows, they have shaker. Wilderness Athlete has those shaker bottles where you can put the meal replacement in the bottom, and I'll stop at a Starbucks. I'll get a coffee, and I'll get milk, and I'll put in um, my shaker container milk, like almond milk, and then, you know, three hours after I've had a bar or whatever, which I eat a lot of processed food when I'm traveling just because it's more convenient. So after a bar, then I can just pour in my protein or my uh, meal replacement shake and eat that. And I'm on the go and I can buy milk or almond milk at any Starbucks anywhere. And, and I've, I've set myself up for success. That's yeah, totally. And it's easy to do. Like I know traveling and people who are on the road for work a lot, um, us through show season and you know, all of the things that we do, it can be really hard to, to make yourself stay on, you know, a, a program or, you know, thinking about your nutrition and getting in the components that you need. But there's so many easy ways, like you said, like you could even stop by a store and grab a thing of milk and bring it to your booth or, you know, whatever you need, as long as you prepare for having that. Otherwise, you have to go through this reaction phase where all of a sudden it's 1.30 in the afternoon and you're like, I'm starving. I'm going to eat the building down, <laughs> you know, so if you have... I'm going to eat the box of Girl Scout cookies now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. I actually put the um, protein powder in my coffee in the morning because I, uh, like a lot of women... I like literally get sick at the thought of food in the morning. Like it, I can take a bite of something and I, it just sits in my mouth. Like I almost can't even swallow it. So I started putting um, like a half scoop to sometimes like a three quarter scoop of either the meal replacement vanilla or the um, paleo-ish. I freaking love the paleo-ish line. I'll do the chocolate or va- the vanilla in that. And I just blend it up in my, um, my bullet. I'll put sometimes a little bit of cinnamon in it or a little bit of um, like coconut milk. And it's like a frappy, creamy, delicious heaven breakfast. And then you're covering, you've get, you get some healthy fat in there and you get all of your, the protein that you need for in the morning. You know, that's a great idea. I, um, I'm an eater, so I eat four ounces of ham every morning. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I eat food and I have a really hard time on trade shows. I'm, I'm all about that. A lot of times I'll pack along like a one bar, um, and I'll stop at Starbucks and I'll have my one bar and I'll buy a banana mm-hmm. and I'll have, um, a skinny latte and a one bar and a banana and I'm good. And then in the afternoon, um, I try to have like a normal lunch. Um, and then in the afternoon I do the, I do the shake. Um, but whatever works for people, I mean, that's, this is the whole point of like any, anyone's in their fitness journey or their journey with health or accepting of their body and, and giving the best for their body. It's figuring out what, each of us can adhere to as a lifestyle Mm -hmm. and what works for me isn't going to work for you. Like you would not be able, you'd be repulsed by my breakfast. Um, where for me, if I ate your breakfast, I would starve to death. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's just figuring out, you know, what works and sticking to it. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of times people will see their best friend or the person they follow on social doing the paleo, you know, diet, or they're eating keto, or they're, you know, doing this, that, and the other. And so they try it, and they, you know, their friend forwards in their plan, and so they're trying to eat what their friend's eating, and all of a sudden they're, like, finding themselves frustrated, then this doesn't work, because it just doesn't work for you. It's not the right balance, and it's not the right plan for what your body needs on a, you know, on a, on a basis to maintain or to, to go for the benefits that you're after. So, Um, Well, and not to mention also your output, you know, different people are doing different levels of exercise, you know, and and at different intensities. And so that also modifies just in addition to what your baseline is normally, everybody's different, but what your output is will vary person to person too. And so, you know, maybe your friend's losing a lot of weight doing something, but they're also doing, you know, cardio and lifting four days a week. And maybe you are not really that consistent. So we all have to be realistic in our journey on um, what people are doing. And that was really true for me in the competitive world, because I was, 
uh, a natural bodybuilder and I would look at a lot of girls and they would be preparing for a show and they would have 16 pounds to lose and the show would be seven weeks out and I would be like wow I would take 20 weeks to get ready for that show how are you doing it well they're they're using uh synthetic you know like Mm -hmm. steroids or things like that to help them cut weight and I wasn't and so you can never compare your journey to someone else you have to just walk your own line and and um that level of comparing never works um you know the same with you know building muscle some women are going to build muscle really fast and they're going to lose weight really fast and it's going to be you know, there was girls when I was working, you know, getting ready for contests, they'd be like, oh my gosh, my cardio is getting so ridiculous. I had to do 45 minutes now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm doing 90. Like, you know, so you just can't, you can't compare your journey with somebody else. Um, you have to just figure out what works for you. And that's why having a good training counselor um, and somebody that understands that each body is unique and can help you work through that process with, from, from meal prepping, um, whether you have competitive aspirations on to just, Hey, you know, I have high cholesterol or, uh, you know, I'm borderline diabetic. What can I do to change my life so that I don't end up, um, having to take insulin? You know, there's, there's certain things that, you know, everybody needs to look at and, and sometimes you have to have help. Absolutely. Totally do. And it's, uh, sometimes I think it's hard to like mind your own and really like realize that, what somebody else is doing isn't going to work for you. And that's okay. You just have to be patient in, you know, I I am a huge um, proponent of journaling, like writing down if something's not working for you or it is and you're journaling, you're going to know exactly to what, what to replicate or what not to. And so, you know, if you can spend time, if you do have goals of, you know, hitting a certain event or, uh, you know, changing your body composition to a certain level or just, finding that balance and having a healthy lifestyle, start writing it out um, or do something like the 28 day challenge or reach out to a coach or do something that will help you further that balance and and progress you to making that goal. Um, Because if we don't, I think a lot of times we get lost in what we've tried and what we haven't tried and what's worked and hasn't. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we've almost been talking for an hour. There's so many different things that I want to cover. I wanted to talk right. about your injury and just about your your path for, um, you know, like getting into fitness and, and the things that work and don't work for you. But um, I think we're going to have to make this two parts, Christy, because we have so much rich content to talk about. Uh, before we go, I have to ask you, which is something that I ask a lot of my listeners, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to the woman who's listening right now, who feels a little lost in the journey that she's on? Um, you know, she's battling with giving up. She's battling with self-love and, you know, appreciation for where she's going. What's the one thing that you want to leave with our listeners today? Uh, I think the biggest thing is to not be afraid. And a lot of people are afraid to try because they're afraid to fail. Um, And perhaps they've tried in the past and they failed. And in a way, you know, that can kind of crush you as a human and and your spirit. And it makes you not even want to try at some point because you're like, well, I tried this diet before. I tried tried this before. It didn't work for me. Or, you know, whatever it is in life, whatever your goal is. Um, But we've all failed. And I would say, you know, don't be afraid. You're not in anything alone. Um, We all struggle. And, you know, unfortunately, social media only reveals the beauty of the world. It often doesn't reveal the reality of the world. And, um, you know, you know, people might look at me or Courtney, they might look at you and think, well, these girls have it so easy when in reality, you know, we have our own struggles we're waking up every day and dealing with. And, you know, we all have the power to control what we eat. We have the power to control what we do. Uh, we have the power to control the choices we make in our lives. And every day, we ultimately sculpt what our future is going to look like. And we have to find a place where if there's something that we want, we have to be brave enough to wake up every day and take a step towards reaching that goal. I love it. I actually, I'm going to quote you on that. I'm going to write it out and I'm going to put it on my mirror so that every morning (laughs) that's a piece of my affirmation to start my day. We don't have to be perfect, but we have to take steps. We have to take purposeful steps. Yeah. And all, all momentum is, is, is leading us forward, right? So it doesn't matter if today it's an inch and tomorrow it's a half inch and the next day it's a mile. 
all of that leads us in the right direction. So don't get frustrated if the progress you're making is slow right now. Just stay adamant about moving forward. And if you do have a roadblock, don't let it defeat you. Get around it and keep moving. I love we it. All, we all stumble. Yeah, all of us, every single one of us. You know, those who we all look to for inspiration or who we think, you know, has it all together and they have things so easy and this, that and the other. There's always something, you know, there's always some sort of fire that someone's walking through and things that we are all battling and dealing with and trying to be better at. So just know that we are all on the same page, walking on a journey that might not look identical, but it's all leading us right to the same spot. So Christy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If listeners want to reach out to you and send you a message or follow along with the Pursue the Wild and what you're doing there, where can they find you? So my social media is all pretty easy. It's at Christy Titus, so K-R-I-S-T-Y-T-I-T-U-S, and that's Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. My YouTube channel is Pursue the Wild, and I invite you guys. I have full episodes, and then I've got a lot of great tips and tactics on there as well for people that are wanting to learn about gear, um, tips about firearms, archery, all of that is homed on that page as well as my Instagram TV page. So, um, and I have a beautiful jewelry line by Montana Silversmith. So I invite you guys all to go on my website, click the shop tab. I also have an elk call line, um, and some other, uh, great things like buck knives and whatnot as well. So, uh, please, check all that stuff out you are actually i'm I'm fiddling with my ring through this entire podcast uh this thing is so beautiful and i get compliments on it all of the time so we have to do another episode because i want to talk all about your elk calling and the hunts that you went on last year and what you have coming up for this year and i don't know if everybody knows but you're like a world-class elk caller well, I mean, there's a lot of people that are better than me, but I do all right. <laughs> uh, you do pretty dang good. So we'll talk about some of that stuff, too, on the next episode. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and bringing such rich uh, recommendations and inspiration to those who are listening. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.